Okay. Hello. Uh, episode 7 of Stodcast. This one is with Dan Mumford. Uh, obviously, Dan is a massive artist and works with lots of big bands and does lots of, anim- well, not animation, but like artwork for uh, big films and comics, etc. And just everything. He's got his hand in everything. He's just a great guy, to be honest with you. Uh, I asked Dan to do this last September. I only had one episode out and straight away he said yes and to give me a chance to because this is big for me um this is probably the biggest one i've done so far uh and it was a total honor to do it with him so to for him to say yes and because uh, he's done a lot of podcasts dan but he's never done one solely about his music uh, and i think that was the what sold him to hopefully do it uh and yeah it was a great conversation uh, it was the first one I ever did on Zoom call, and thank you again, Dan, for helping me out through all that. Because again, like everything else, I've not got a clue what I'm doing. So, Dan helped me out massively with that. Uh, this is a really good conversation. If you're into the the kind of Watford kind of metal scene from back in the day, you're gonna enjoy this one. There's lots of shoutouts to bands and that, uh, lots of names thrown about that people will recognise. So, uh, yeah, anyone who's obviously like subscribed on that shit, like I hate this part, but yeah, thank you. Uh, if you could rate it on spotify give it five stars up a class because that helps me out big time same with itunes or apple music whatever it is um yeah i've i've noticed a difference with with some listeners Um, it is cool that i'm getting i thought i was doing shit and then i spoke to somebody who has got our her hand in podcasting and she was explaining to me that for what i'm doing because uh, i've not got a platform before this like a lot of people like comedians and musicians or ex-musicians whatever start their own podcast they've got a platform i had nothing so for the listeners i'm getting um for somebody that's a complete nobody let's face it is actually very very good so i am chuffed with that that really brightened my day up um yeah and thank you for anyone who keeps listening for anyone that shares um it all helps me big time I just want to get more interesting, cool people on this podcast and doing stuff like that helps. So thank you very, very much. This is episode seven with Dan Mumford. Right, lovely. Dan Mumford, thank you so much for getting to do this with me. Yeah, of um, course. This is this is one, um, I was on a bus to Glasgow uh, one day and I was like, who, it's kind of when I first started and I had one, maybe two episodes out and I was like, I really want to speak to some like good people and that and then I seen your, I, I thought of your name before because I knew about Incoherence mm. Um and then obviously I knew about all the artwork because you've done artwork for some of my favourite albums ever. Sure, yeah. Uh, and I and I uh, DM'd you on uh, Instagram and you replied like near enough instantly and I was like, <laughs> what the hell is that? She agreed. So very, very chuffed. This is quite a big opportunity for me and I thank you. So Of course, man. Um, so, but one of the things I said in the message, if you remember, so I looked through your Discogs um, kind of name because obviously I knew you were in Never the More and all that. Mm. And remember, I was like, oh, Coldstream. And you're like, I oh, wasn't in Coldstream. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who that is. <laughs> That's connected to your name. If you if you go on your um, 
Discogs like you go on like Never the More and yeah, you yeah. see the band members and that. Yeah, apparently you were in a band called Coldstream. Huh. But obviously, obviously not. Obviously not. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't you know. Would, you would know better. Yeah, you would <laughs> definitely know better. Right. So I kind of start this podcast same as everybody. Uh, same. Same for everybody. Sorry. Um, where did you grow up? Oh well, uh, basically uh, Watford. <laughs> like it's not not the most exciting place, but. It kind of had quite a hotbed of like activity and great alternative bands in the really early two thousands, like two thousand to two thousand ten, I guess. Um, you know, that's yeah, that's scene. yeah, like that's where Gallows and Sixth came from, and uh, you know, loads of amazing bands. And so I was, I was part of that growing up when I was like, you know, fifteen to twenty. Before, and then I went. Yeah. To, and then I went to university. Um, but that was. Then you, then you grew up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, you say that it's weird. There was a there's there was a moment when I decided to go to university, and it was basically like uh, I kind of felt like I was giving up on the music side of things. Um, yeah. Because like I couldn't really commit to that while I was at university down in Brighton, and all my friends were in Watford doing stuff. So. Yeah, it was quite a quite a hard decision to make, but yeah, I, I I grew up around a lot of music and a lot of great people, and lucky to be friends with a lot of them still, and they're still doing amazing stuff as well in the music scene. Yeah, yeah. nice. Uh, so, kind of reversing back, um, what was like your first kind of musical influence? Like, what was getting played around the house by your parents? Uh, what was like your first purchase? Um, obviously, it'll be a cassette. I'm assuming for you, either. yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, same for me, mate. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like it probably goes back. My my dad, like he he loves just sort of rock music. You know, like seventies, late sixties. Um, that was like what he liked in terms of music. He kind of went with every decade though. So in the eighties, he was you know in some of that stuff. In the nineties, he really got into like the Beatles. Uh, not the Beatles. Sorry, <laughs> Oasis. <laughs> the Beatles, yeah. Um, he really got into like Oasis and Blur and even like Foo Fighters and Blink-182. Like he's quite eclectic in, he, you know, he won't go deep with that sort of stuff, but he really liked just anything guitar based with music really. So that was kind of what I grew up with around the house. Um, my mum didn't really have, seem to have any musical taste whatsoever. I think she just sort of like, whatever's happening is fine. Um, yeah. And in terms of like the first sort of music I was into, you know, when I was really young, I didn't really care about that stuff. I think, you know, the first sort of things I remember buying was stuff like The Prodigy on tape. Um, I'm trying to remember what else. I've got a really distinct memory of buying The Fat of the Land by Prodigy on tape. Um Nice. I was that a bootleg one that was made, or was it like a a lot of people's first like speaking to people like this? Um, it's always like, oh, they bought it on holiday off a stand. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like it's like somebody's printed off artwork and then hand wrote the yeah, all the the cassette and all that. No, no, this was it was no. it was a legit one. I think I got it with like what little money I had. Um, yeah, but then. I sort of, I also slowly was getting into the more rock side of stuff. And it's really embarrassing. Like, I liked Ocean Colour Scene, who were pretty awful. 
But at the time, when I was like 13 or whatever, I was like, yeah, this is it, man. Um, but it's fucking rubbish. Like, it's not good. Yeah. I don't think it's good at all. But there's that one song, the Riverboat song or whatever it is. And like, that's a good, it's good riff. So like, I get it. But yeah. um, th- those are like my early, early memories of music, actually. Um, so just really nothing that hard edged, really. Uh but you know, then what was it? Then like Slipknot came along and everything changed, right? <laughs> yeah, I yeah, yeah. I'm I'm only I was born in '95, so I'm only 28. But uh, okay. I remember even for myself, even for myself though, um, it was like like Green Day, Blink One Eight Two. Those were the kind of bands that were going around school, Ooh. and then pretty much the goth kid at school was like, "Listen to this," and it was a duality. And then I heard Eyeless, and you're like. Wow, this is <laughs> this is a lot more crazy and mental than I'm that I'm used to. Yeah, yeah, man. This is, yeah. So I so for you, Slipknot was it the the first album, nineteen ninety nine? I guess it. Yeah. So it was kind of like me and my friends. It was the the two guitarists in uh, Never the More, actually. So Steve Sears and Tom Michener, and we had That's, this. Yeah, yeah. We we had this friend called. Phil Mosley, I think. Yeah, yeah. And we went, we were, we were all sort of like kind of playing music together, but not really doing anything particular. You know, we were like, I don't know, 14, whatever. And uh, yeah. we went round to Phil's house and he was like, listen to this. Oh no, it wasn't Slipknot. The first album he played us was System of a Down. The very first System Doctor of a Down album. Oh, the one with Sugar on it. Yeah, just is that the, the yeah. yeah yeah the one the one with the hand on it yeah yeah, yeah. called system of a Dane, he, that yeah. that was the first one he played to us and he was like listen to this this is this is fucking nuts right and we were, we were just a bit like okay yeah 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 and then he got into Slipknot and he kind of he weirdly I you know I, I've not kept in touch with the guy at all for a long time I don't think anyone really knows where he is <laughs> he sort of dis- <laughs> he sort of like disappeared out of our lives quite early wait on. so he was in Never the More no no he wasn't no 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 he was just pals with you yeah yeah, and yeah. Mitch. And, and he, uh, Steve, yeah, he was the first drummer. Right. He was the first drummer I played with, but then he he like disappeared off into the ether, um, right? And uh, while the rest of us carried on playing music together, and um, but he, yeah, he he introduced us all, well, me at least, to these sort of at the time pretty heavy albums, and I was like, I don't know if I can handle this, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, the f- the first thing is Slipknot, like retrospectively are fantastic i think you know there was there was a period of time when i was just like i'm not interested in that it's it's rubbish it's you know it got categorized in new metal right but it isn't really it's just they're quite a unique band it's just obviously said say scratching and all that and then all the samples and that's what makes it kind of new metal but Mm. they were a a very heavy band Mm. like so that that first album and then iowa was like like a step above heavy, you yeah. know what I mean? That was just like vulgar in some ways, like you know what I mean. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I get what you mean. It shouldn't. I mean, they'll always be like, oh, corn, Limp biscuit, Lincoln Park, all new metal, and you had Slipknot to it. But and I think Slipknot are. No. I'd say they're just a metal band. They are. You know I mean, they are the definition of a heavy metal band. Yeah. Um, yeah. and they're really, really good. And the. So what year was this? Sorry, Dan. Was this like early two thousands, late nineties? Is what we're talking here. Yeah, basically. Uh, yeah, because yeah, yeah. I was 
born in 84 so i would have been 15 16 at the time yeah and um right okay I just, that was did you see them on that tour no no I, did I've, you not i've never seen slipknot live actually um really no <laughs> i but do you know what we did go and see system of a down <laughs> there you go that was oh that's that's that, meant that was like my first metal gig i think um and that was pretty intense that was that was good yeah i remember liking that um was that in a toxicity tour or was that before? No, I think it was the first the first time they were over. Maybe that was off the... No, I think it was before toxic, Toxicity, actually. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that was the sort of stuff I was into. I never really got... You know, Linkin Park was too late for me. I By then I'd moved on to <laughs> the harder stuff. Uh, yeah, hardcore. Like, yeah, basically, like pretty swiftly. I think when you're young when you're younger, like you can quite quickly move through genres of music till you find the thing that clicks for you. And obviously for me and most of my friends, it was like American hardcore music was what really clicked for us. Um, And that was the time when like, it was all metalcore. So Poison the Well was like, the debut Poison the Well album was like the biggest album in our town for like a year, you know? so that that kind of and you know everyone within the scene we all sort of kind of liked the same thing at the same time so was Dillinger Escape Plan was that one of the big ones too yeah man of course like most yeah. insane band in the world um I yeah. you know and because Sixth who came out of uh, Watford as well or the Watford area um yeah they you know they were they were kind of like our Dillinger Escape Plan because they're just you know the stuff yeah, the stuff they yeah. do is insane at the time it was yeah. it was not quite as crazy as the more modern stuff but um like they were like gods to to me and some of my friends like yeah because they were all a bit older as well they're all a couple of years older so yeah so kind of going on from that then um so your first band was never the more is mm. that was that your first let's think what's the uh no, I mean, well, <laughs> my first band was technically a band with Steve, who I was in Nevermore with, who then went yeah. on to do Craft Silence. Um, yeah, he also did, um, uh, what was it? That's going to annoy the hell at me now. The, the, uh, there's Spycatcher. 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 And yeah, subsequently uh, Gold Key as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we were we were in a band that didn't, did it happen? I think in the end it was called Overseers, which was quite funny because his surname is Sears. Sears yeah. <laughs> I wonder how he came up with that name. Um, <laughs> but, and then that, then I didn't do that. And I did this thing with my friend, which was just rubbish metal. And that was called Align. Which, All right, okay. I mean, there's no record of you this. You're just doing bass, bass as normal, yeah. Yeah, just bass and very, yeah. some very occasional, like, throaty shouts or whatever. Um, <laughs> and then I did Never The More. And then from that, I also joined Incoherence, uh, which was, yeah. pro- that, you know, Never The More and Incoherence are the ones that I played in for, like, three years properly, trying to do stuff, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So Never The More was the first one. So recently you were tagged in something uh, from a kind of new page, the UK under the hardcore page. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that guy's got, so he sent me some stuff and it's some stuff I've never heard before. Yeah. Um, off, uh, yeah, like War Than Atlantis when Luke was in the band. Um, I have uh, a band that Frank Carter was in before. 
he was in Gals or all that stuff. Oh uh, man, um, yeah, I can't remember what that band. Oh wait, yeah, for- it was all night, all night drive. There was all night drive, but there was something else uh, for the for the sinners. Yeah, for the sinners. That yeah. was it. Yeah, yeah. Me- so he sent me one of those songs. We we like the 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 only proper tour that Never the More did was with For the Sinners. And, oh really? Yeah, we did like five dates around the UK or something, and um, it was. It was fun. Like n- yeah. none of us knew what we were doing at all. Yeah. Like we were all way too young uh, to know what we're doing. But it was <laughs> it was fun, man. And yeah, that was that was when uh, before Gallows at all. And Frank was not quite the oh, not the person he is now. That's for sure. No, he, he was. Yeah, he had longer hair, not tattooed, yeah. maybe not as mental. There's no there's no videos from that time. There's just a couple of photos. Um, yeah. I mean they were they were a great band and you could see that Frank was a good front man. Um it was yeah, just, it was quite yeah. it was quite different music though. Uh if I remember correctly. Yeah. But yeah. So incoherence. Eh, sorry, never the more sorry. Ooh. Right. So it was you, Mitch, who was in Spy Catcher, Pure Love mm-hmm. producer, all that stuff. Uh you've got Lee from obviously Gallows. Yeah. And yeah. you've got Steve Sears. Mm-hmm. Um that was the only lineup, yeah. Yeah, we. What else? What happened? Lee didn't. I think Lee actually moved on for a little bit from drums, but then we didn't really do anything after that. It just, yeah. you know, I think we. It kind of just dissolved a bit. Um, yeah, we. Uh, it was a tough one because Mitch and Steve are like, like genuinely childhood friends. Um, yeah, uh, we went to school together, so I've known them since I was eleven, and they're still, you know, uh, I'd consider, cl- you know, close friends. Um, so yeah. it, it kind of, it, I think there was a, it's one of the, it was one of those things where we were kind of doing it because we'd always been doing music, you know, um, and that it just, it, it just kind of just slowly just didn't feel like it was that fun anymore. Um, and right. Lee was doing good stuff with Gallows and. Um, oh, was that as late as that? Was it? Yeah, I'm pretty was it sure. As late on as that, yeah. Yeah. Because the only thing I've got down here is uh, you did a song called Livewire. That was the demo that that guy leaked onto yeah. YouTube that I've never <laughs> heard before. And then you yeah. just had the then you just had the uh, the self titled the EP. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Tie me in the van being an absolute fucking belter. Like, love yeah, that. it's That's, a good song, man. They're all. Yeah, do you know what? Um, they're all really good songs. They're all really unique songs as well. Um, yeah. And I think. Uh, we spent like two years recording that and Mitch and Steve were doing all the pr- production and recording and I don't have a clue about that stuff. So, you know, I, I was just like, those guys just tinkered away at it for a long time. And um, yeah. well, me and Lee were just sort of like, I don't know, should we just, what, what are we doing? Are we doing anything? Um, yeah. But like, you know, I think they really wanted to get it perfect and it was kind of, a, I don't know, it just felt really important to get it right. Um and obviously I did the artwork as well and that I spent quite a while doing a few bits for that, going back and forth. Was that your first taste of doing artwork that was your own band? Properly. Was that your yeah. first ever Yeah, yeah. 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 Right, okay. Like I did I did some stuff at Incoherence as well, but I think the Never the More one's the first one that I did properly and sort of felt like this is um you know, this is I like I like this. I like I like being the sort of the visual aspect of music. Cause uh, to be honest with you, I'm not, yeah. I'm not very musical. Like um, I love music. I love being in bands, but you know, being in Never the More, Steve, Mitch and Lee were all incredibly talented. Like they're all musicians, you know, like yeah. Lee's 
always been a very insanely crazy drummer. Like he can pull off some amazing stuff. And then um, Steve and Mitch are just songwriters, just amazing songwriters. And then I was just kind of the guy playing bass because I was with my friends. Like I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I didn't have that much to contribute in a musical way. Um, yeah. So when I kind of realized maybe my abilities lie more in the art world, I definitely felt like I'd, uh, I, you know, I'd kind of found my, what piece of the puzzle I was within the music industry. Yeah. yeah. But at least you're still in the music industry, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, for sure. You're still doing stuff. Uh, uh, touching on that note as well, I uh, must say Thomas Mitch, you know, he is a very underrated I'm not gonna, I don't know to say artist and musician, but just kind of person in terms of like, it was in the Rattlesnakes for mm-hmm. years. Yeah, yeah. In Pure Love, good, good live. Um, and obviously, he's a producer that does, you know, he did Gallo's self uh, the self titled album. Yeah. Which I, to me is, sounds absolutely But Grey Britain cost him half a million, but I don't know how much <laughs> that was, but it sounded just as sharp, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I mean. I can't say enough good words about Mitch. Uh, he's, I love the guy. He's a superb musician. You could just put him in a room with a couple of instruments and he would, you know, he'd write you an amazing song. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, he, he's, he can do, he can do some amazing things. Um, yeah. And I kind of feel like, I think one day he'll really get some recognition for that stuff more. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. And, uh, he, he might just he might just do one collaboration like he might produce mm-hmm. one person and they get huge and then they shout him out and then exactly you yeah. never know these that you never know these things yeah that, that's to- totally yeah um and you know the but he he's consistently recording stuff as well at the moment for and producing yeah and um, I seen he made something in his, his shed out the back yeah uh, well, recently I, finished well, that off the thing is because the studio that he usually records in is called Broadfields and that is um. It's it's like at the end of his parents' house, because uh, that's where. So when 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 we were like I don't know fourteen, his dad had said I'm gonna build a recording studio down the end of the garden, and he did. It went from just being this sort of just nothingness, a bit of a wasteland, to being a a big garage that then became a recording studio, and over like twenty years, Mitch and his dad just transformed it, and it became a full-on recording studio and now mitch has got one at his own house which is what he's just recently done um so yeah you know good good for mitch like he's got two kids he's got i don't think he can get away quite as much as he used to um but yeah you know i i was super lucky to be in a band with three very talented people um you know again i was kind of just the guy playing bass while they were uh all the, who had great abilities, yeah, yeah. So what happened? Um, never the more was it straight into incoherence? Was it? Uh, well, both at the same time. Uh, because was I was. Both at, or was it both at the same time? Right. Yeah, I, I think there was a certain point when um, incoherence still existed. Uh, they already existed. Sorry. And so, so basically, incoherence had quite a few. No, they didn't have that many different members, but they they had um, they originally had a different bass player who was James Leach, who is the bass player in Sixth, um, yeah. who is uh, phenomenal, uh, insanely talented bass player um, and lovely person. And 
they had another guitarist and that guitarist was Alex V-Man Ventruella, who is now yeah. the bass player in Slipknot. And Slipknot. Yeah, so, for silence as well. Yeah. So, you know, it's all very, all sort of in each other's bands, all that sort of stuff. But basically Alex and James both left Incoherence and then I joined on bass and um, Kev Banks joined on guitar and it was kind of like the band became a bit more, um, it kind of went in a slightly more technical, even more technical way and a bit more melodic. I think Pete, the other guitarist, he sort of wanted to go really quite serious with some of the songwriting and yeah, it got really intense and complicated and they just got rid of this amazing, not got rid of, sorry, <laughs> this amazingly talented bass player had just left and uh, then they get me in and I was like, come on guys, <laughs> like, what? Couldn't, we, couldn't we just stick to the really easy songs that I could do? Um, you know, because the new stuff that Pete and Kev were coming up with was so crazy and James would have had no problem with it. Um, but for me, I was a bit like, I just had to learn the songs um, and uh, be quite diligent about practicing. Yeah, and, and it got to the point where you know I could play these songs without thinking about them, but they were really in, intense stuff, um, and it was quite a change of pace from just doing the uh, not simple but more sort of rock based stuff with Nevermore. So, and I think that was probably after a couple of years of doing Nevermore that I joined um, Incoherence. Incoherence, and then that's probably about the same time that Lee started doing Gallows. And um, obviously all this time, Steve was doing his other thing with Cry for Silence. So, you know, we I guess Never the More was kind of the one on the, not on the side, but it was, it was kind of just the one that didn't get as much attention, maybe. Um, yeah. So you did two EPs with Incoh- Incoherence, um, Sleep Well with My, uh, sorry, Sleep Well My Love and The World Without Heroes. Is that yeah correct? yeah I, yeah so a world without heroes was the one that properly got released on blackfish records yeah and again i did the artwork and it is some of the worst crap i've ever put out that is <laughs> you're not a fan no nah, man it's awful i didn't know what i was doing at all um and it, it like it's in the wrong color format so it's all desaturated it just looks it just looks bad man uh but you know it is what it is yeah, your own worst critic though, that's the thing. Uh, yeah. To me, it looks to me it looks like a young man's made it from a for a young band there you go. starting yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. It's it's self made, you know what I mean? Yeah. But to you, you're just gonna pick it apart and not be happy with it, which is what everybody does. It's you know just, what I mean? Yeah, it's just it's just like funny to me now, like looking at it. Yeah. Um but but that was that was that was good. That we, we put that out and that was like we kind of thought we were gonna properly tour and do do quite well off the back of that um you know reviews were fine uh we self-recorded it it pretty could have sounded you know meatier um but we loved it at the time you know like yeah and, and even now i listen to it like i still like how it sounds um it's just you know we were doing it on a very tight budget and doing it ourselves and yeah. uh yeah kev recorded we recorded that in like his dad's office or something. <laughs> like I remember, uh, I remember uh, Will the drummer doing the snare parts in like the toilet cubicle because it made the snare sound really good. <laughs> so you know, it's just, but that's it's fun stuff, man. Like that's I I wouldn't have wanted to make that EP any other way. Like it was just really fun doing yeah. it ourselves. Um, 
And then the other one. Sorry. So, sorry. so I was no, just going to say the the other, the other one was recorded, but it only got released like a few years ago. Um, and that's because the band again sort of dissolved and was like, it just there was no reason to put it out. Uh, yeah. But we 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 sort of all got together a few years ago for to play a show in Watford, and that was really fun. And uh, and yeah, we 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 just released it online just to be there as a nice sort of record. Yeah, yeah. I like when bands do that. I know sometimes bands just won't release things because they're not happy, or even worse, they'll they'll take off stuff offline they don't like anymore and just pretend that like the first the EP that's <laughs> yeah. on Spotify that's their first ever record. When well, it's not really. Um, I mean, I think I think there yeah. was a part of not being happy with it uh, because again, yeah. uh, I le- I left the band um, to go to university. And in another twist of fate, Mitch joined the band on bass. <laughs> um, so, you know, we were just all in each other's bands all the time. Uh, and Mitch, I don't think it was for long, maybe like six months. He played like five shows. And then I think the band kind of had run its course a bit. Um, but it was uh, Kev and Pete, both the guitarists, they were like the songwriters. And Kev recorded it again, uh, re- recorded this new EP. And I think there was an element of like, it just wasn't, it wasn't good enough. You know, they were yeah. like, they were really hard on themselves as songwriters and really pushed me and the other guys to become like a really tight unit. Like, you know, I, I still think in terms of bands playing around the uk at that time we were one of the like tightest live units like we were good yes like i know we were good uh whether you liked it or not it's different but we were good um i always see incoherence on like you know like all day flyers now there's loads yeah. of hardcore pages online yeah, it's man. always like incoherence somewhere or a we, it's always a gimp gimp as well that yeah. old band that was a well, my dad joe gimp, all that stuff gimp, like, gimp's the band that kev the guitarist was in beforehand with lags <laughs> So, all right, okay. <laughs> yeah, again, again, all in each other's bands. Um, so, what made you do a what made you do a, a comeback? Well, not a comeback gig, but like a reunion show in Watford. Was just, that just at the Watford Arms? Where was it? It was the one near Watford Junction Station. I can't remember what it's called. The Flag, maybe. Right, okay. But it was. Uh, what was it? I think we just all got talking. Like, thought it'd be something fun to do because we hadn't. You know, we we kind of were not in contact that much. Um, and I had, for the last few years, let, this was probably like 2016 we did this show, maybe 2017. I don't know. But for the few years prior to that, I'd been uh, playing again in a band with Pete and Ed, the singer from Incoherence, um, in a band called Landis, which was just like just fun just us doing fun hardcore metal stuff and of course the drummer was from cry for silence (laughs) (laughs) um so you know i've basically been in various bands with all members of all bands in watford uh nice and uh we did we were doing that It, it wasn't very serious but we really we just sort of enjoyed writing music again so we did that and then we sort of thought hey why don't we speak to the other guys and see if they want to do a little reunion show because 
you know, incoherence were quite... Why not? Yeah. Why not? Well, yeah. In, in... You'll get a crowd as well. There'll be that, that scene was it. from like 2004 and you'll... You'll... Yeah. Yeah. You know, in, in Watford, incoherence were a big deal for a small time. And um, it was fun. It was really good fun, man. It was really good fun. And yeah. I, I think we would have we would have done it again. But unfortunately, um, Kev, the guitarist, he, he passed away last year. So we're sort of, you know, we're in this weird state right now of don't know how to feel like the band is sort of uh quite a sad memory but also a happy memory now um so so i think i think we me and the other guys would like to do something to i don't know to honor him because he was a fantastic musician and he went on to play with paloma faith uh he was like he was her guitarist for the last five years or something i think Kevin Banks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, I never knew that. Yeah. I, I, all I know about Banks is obviously uh, from being an incoherence. Yeah. And then as well, he had a lot to do with Orchestra Wheels. Yes. Um, yeah, he recorded it. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. But again, that it's a total shame somebody to die that young. Um, and he was well respected. Obviously, when, when he passed away, I didn't really know who he was, but everybody and everybody was just like sharing their memories and their thoughts. Yeah, and, man everything else so which is really lovely to see but yeah i think yeah. you're right i don't think doing it without banks wouldn't be you know what i mean it, it'd be t- it'd be tough i think we, we we talked about doing something maybe getting um maybe asking mitch to sort of oh, mitch yeah that'd be a good yeah, yeah of course yeah yeah, yeah. But, so but I, just doing it yeah I, I don't really know it's, it's something we sort of i think we're mulling over <laughs> but also yeah. also like you know we'd just be doing it for I think it'd be quite cathartic, maybe. <laughs> yeah. It must be cool as well, because obviously, like, Incoherence were in Never The More. Like, I really, really, really do like Never The More. Um, but it's one of those ones, like, so they're not big bands. They've got other people in from other bands. But it must be quite cool, maybe, once every six months, like, you've been tagged in something, and somebody will be yeah. sharing a memory from, like, 17 years ago. And it just must be really nice to be like, it's mental that that person still remembers and still cares and still spinning yeah. that CD and all that kind of stuff. That must be really cool. Yeah, man. No, it's it's really nice. Like, I think, you know, I'm quite... I think making those EPs or records, whatever you want to call them, they're like, um, you know, at the time, they just seem like, oh, my God, we spent so much time on this. Like, just, just be done with it. I, You know, you've recorded you've recorded it and you're just sort of like uh you don't care about it by the time it's done yeah, you're like you yeah. want to move on to the next thing but then i you know so many people specifically the never the more eight track what is it is it an album i don't know it's like 35 minutes long <laughs> it's a mini album yeah I, I don't know it's a weird eight and nine are two different things <laughs> for, i know right? track number. Yeah, yeah. it's weird it's so weird um but like i think like that specifically because it's a you know that was us being a emo band in quotation marks um <laughs> like that was i think it hits a lot of memories and emotions for people when they listen to it and it does for me as well like there's there's a few songs on there that i just sort of they bring me right back and i remember playing them live and they've got a lot of power and you know it's they're not particularly heavy but they are heavy you know like yeah, they they, yeah. they they do have that power and do you know what? Genuinely, I think that I'd really like to revisit that with the guys. And I know that I know they would also as well. It's just a case of 
we've all got lives and I don't know. It's it's crazy, isn't it? You sort of go, yeah, like Steve and Mitch both work in music still. Lee still drums. I'm I'm like the one that doesn't really play music anymore. Um, but you're in touch with like some of the biggest bands in the world doing their artwork for yeah. gigs and that. So yeah, is mental. <laughs> but but I, I do I do hope we can get together and do something one day again because the yeah the, those songs they specifically mean a lot to me because I had a hand in writing them more than the incoherent stuff. That was more. I was kind of just the bass player, but with ne- yeah. never the more like that was our band. And even though I wasn't like the primary songwriter, it was something we all crafted together. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I read, I got in a Shikari's new book recently and they actually gave Incoherence a shout out as well. Oh, really? The main inspirations. <laughs> yeah. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I read that. I was like, that's mental because <laughs> um, I, I think it was, I think it was either Rory C or, yeah, that said it or Chris. I mean, that, I can't remember, but yeah, Incoherence definitely got a, a big shout out. It was like a main inspiration for early Shikari. Yeah, I, they they sort of kicked off maybe a year or two after. I think I was less around with the music stuff in Watford, and them in Lower Than Atlantis as well. Like they were, um, you know, the the two bands that I could sort of from afar. I was like, oh, those bands are getting big. Um, yeah, and I'd never seen them live in like any of the local shows because i was in i was at university by then um well the atlantis were a few years after they didn't start till 2007 i know ben was go. in uh, a boy called hero right yeah, with yeah. his brother luke mm. uh, that was that but yeah shikari was like because they were a, a band called hybrid back in like the very late right. 90s yeah yeah, early, yeah. um but now yeah i get what you mean though like from afar you like because they like Shikari are massive. They're one of the le- yeah. UK's leading bands yeah. right now, which is crazy. And then Lower Than Atlantis, before this flop, they were doing like O2 size venues. They were doing yeah. Brixton. It's mad, man. They were, yeah, they were high up in the bill at, um, at festivals and that. So hmm. I think they, they were the kind of two bigger ones to come at the scene. Yeah, for, I, I, for honest, I, yeah. I would say so. Um, like six- and Gallows, obviously. And, yeah, Gallows. and Gallows. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sixth were the one that I always loved because they, they're just like, that's more my thing, like proper technical metal. Um, yeah. But they never, like, they're huge. And, like, some people would sort of say they were, like, one of the first uh, bands doing that sort of musical style. Uh, but yeah. I don't think, I don't think at the time they really got the recognition for that. Now they are. Now, because, yeah. n- you know, they did some reunion stuff recently and that was huge. And, um, yeah. but I, I, I get, they've never really sort of continued to tour and write music, I don't think. Um, I, I don't actually, love, I don't really know, yeah. really. But I'd love to get one of the boys from Sick on this. I'd love to talk to James. Yeah, <laughs> cool. uh, he'd be quite interesting to chat. He'd be, he would. You should definitely get him on. Um, cool. So that, so music wise, um, we'll deal with the art after after the music. Sure. Um, cool. So Landis, um, talk to me about Landis. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, so Land- Landis was. Um, it basically was so the guitarist and singer from incoherence we kind of just got back in contact a little bit and i don't know thought why don't we do something you know like why didn't we just try playing a bit of music again um i think it was 2013 as i want to say so now do you know what? it was probably earlier than that let's think 27 yeah, it was probably uh, like 2011 something. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, it was uh, 
quite early in the 2010s, let's say. <laughs> but yeah. ba- basically, I'd been outside of university for a few years and I wasn't playing any music whatsoever. And uh, I think I got a bit of a urge to do something, anything. Um, and yeah, I just got together with Pete, the old incoherence guitarist, and we just made some songs, really. Um, and then we needed a drummer and we asked Ali from Craft Silence because he was just a, you know, he's just a nice guy. He's a phenomenal drummer. And um, I think we just thought, let's just try doing something a little bit different. Um, and it was very, it's not as complex as Incoherence. It's a bit more just like big, beefy, hardcore tinged metal stuff i don't really know what you'd call yeah. it i'm not you, you know go for noise rather than more, you go for noise rather than like complication and that's saying yeah but do you know what the funny thing about it is that the the music is technically very clever because pete has an incredible musical brain um so we you know we'd be writing things or coming up with ideas and i'd be like hey how about this bit and he'd go yeah, but you can't go from that key to that key. You have to go from this key to this key to this key so that you can then go back to that key. And I'm like, I don't, I, I just thought it sounded good, man. And I'll go back to drawing. Yeah, basically. And, 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 and Pete would be like, yeah, well, when I was at work today and he's a scientist, he's a very smart guy. Um, and he, he'd be like, I was at work today while I was doing this stuff with whatever I was doing. Um, I was writing a, a new riff. And I was like, what do you mean? He was coming up with it in his head. Like he just sort of, he would mull over what the correct way for a riff to go would be. Um, and it was, yeah, it was cool, man. Like he, he's just got an incredible brain for, for writing melody and, and music. And um, I just. He's working with chemicals and he's also I, thinking out. I, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I genuinely don't really know what he does at work, um, but, <laughs> but he would, uh, yeah, he, he he just sort of sent me a message like, I've got a new idea for a song. And it was just something he came up with at work. So he, uh, you know, he t- he sort of, me and, me and Pete wrote most of the stuff for Landis. And then we'd take it to Ali to sort of bring it all together and sort of take the, the riffs and ideas and turn them into songs. Um, so it was, it was, that was, it was very, do you know, it's probably the most adult and, um, like fulfilling music making experience I've had. So for like you know four or five years we we wrote songs together and it was all of us doing it. Um, the only thing I didn't really have a hand in was the lyrics or the vocals because Ed would kind of just come in at the end and do work out what patterns would work over stuff. I think that's I think that's the way for quite a lot of vocalists. They sort of go, okay, I'm listening to what you've got. And now let me see what I can yeah. add to that. Um, it's different as a vocalist, guitarist. That's different. Like if it's a front man that yeah. plays lead, you know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. mostly for, for like hardcore metal bands, it was just if you're a pure vocalist, then yeah, that's usually the case. Yeah. And, and Ed's got an incredible voice, you know, like he's the, you know, in Incoherence and then in, in Landis, I think it was even better. Like he, you know, he, he can't do it as much anymore. Like obviously, because we're older, and you got to you got to really warm up with that sort of stuff. But yeah. um, 
man, his voice, like it, it shreds, man. It's incredible. So it was just, it was just fun, man. Like doing Landis stuff was just fun. It never really went anywhere. We didn't, no one really cared, but we wrote eight, so we recorded eight songs and I think they're the best things I've recorded. Um, there was two EPs, Rotten to the Core yeah. and Bloody But Unbowed. That's it. Unbowed? Yeah. Unbowed, yeah. yeah. Un- unbowed, yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. and you'll never guess who had a hand in recording both of them. <laughs> uh, right, either Thomas <laughs> Mitch and I. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was Mitch. It was, or, it was Mitch and right. it was also Steve. I was going to say Banks, but yeah. No, okay. no, it was so, Mi- no. Mitch and Steve. They both, they both helped us out with both of them. Um, right, okay. Yeah. So, because, you know, of course, why wouldn't we? Um, why wouldn't you exactly yeah so that was it was good fun yeah and we just it just sort of it just it ran its course um but again maybe we'll do something again with that sometime soon yeah i'd like to see something yeah yeah even if it was like a never the more reunion which is very very mm, i'd love to probably not gonna happen yeah i think incoherence and landis are the two that are if anyone's gonna get a (laughs) a resurrection it'll be them it could be yeah Yeah. i i I think never the more i think could could happen it's just more um about us just having time everyone's just so busy man like uh yeah and you know there's kids around now i don't have kids but most of my friends do now um so it's sort of like schedules are really hard to to work around when that happens um yeah but you never know i'm the same i'm the same i'm i'm only 28 but all my friends are either getting married having kids and getting mortgages i'm just yeah yeah i'm just gonna gonna buy more vinyl and get tattooed and go to another gig yeah (laughs) you crack on with that though (laughs) yeah Uh, right perfect so i think that's us done music wise is Mm. there anything else you've done or we've not spoken about or you've hidden away (laughs) no that's it really man like that was that that's pretty much my uh my musical career and maybe it will go some you know i don't even have I've got my bass. That's kind of all I have now. I've got my bass and I've got the, I've got my amp, but I don't have a cab or anything anymore because no. I just, I don't, it's just, it was a fucking huge PV cabinet that I did not have space for anywhere um, in London. So like, I just, well, I gave it to Steve actually. He's got it. And I don't know where he's put it. So, <laughs> and actually Mitch has my amp. So there you go. They've both, they both got bits of me. There you go. Every every story you've told is Mitch and Steve, Mitch yeah. and Steve. Well, because <laughs> part of you, yeah. I mean, that my my musical career, if you want to call it that, is sort of intrinsically linked to the both of them. Yeah, yeah, no, um, no, totally, totally agree. Yeah. Um, well, okay, so we'll go to like the kind of we'll talk a bit about artwork. Obviously, you've done a billion and one prints. Mm. Uh, I just want to go through a kind of handful of albums uh, artwork that that I've really. Um, that you could so the first one I got was orchestra for your for your stuff is orchestra, <laughs> but then it's when I got a, then I got partway drive, mm. and then I got this Biffy Clyro a poster you did yeah. for Bell Houston, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and then but you can totally see where it all. Like and then it always says Dan Mumford at the bottom, <laughs> and then I started collecting Gallows old Gallows prints. Yeah, and then it wasn't it wasn't start you start looking at them. It's like yeah, they're all like the same style. Mm. You can tell. So, uh, I watched the documentary you did that Prince of Darkness. Yeah, and that was quite a good kind of delve into how you do everything. Yeah, um, and that that's like ten years old now, but it is still pretty much the way things go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, so what was so apart from Never the More, what was the first band artwork you did? So um, the, incoherence that you won't talk about because it was rubbish. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, there's there's Never the More. There's incoherence, and then that I did some stuff for Johnny Truant in Brighton. I did a couple of posters for them. Um, Johnny Truant, and then. I can't remember the label. Visible Noise, Visible oh, yeah, Noise yeah, yeah. Records. Yeah, I did a yeah. bit. I did a bit of work for them, and my mind is drawing a blank on what albums. <laughs> but I'd worked for Visible Noise Records, and I worked for In at the Deep End Records, um, yeah. and it was just random bands, man. Like bands that I can't even remember now. Um, yeah, one that sticks in my mind is Romeo Must Die. That was <laughs> that was not on my list, but that's a fucking cool name. <laughs> Romeo Must Die. Yeah, that was a band I remember working for. Uh, man, like, yeah, my brain's just gone in terms of who the actual bands were. But like, oh, The Legacy. I liked working on The Legacy artwork. The right. Legacy. That was for Visible Noise. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember. Like, I can just remember the labels. It's funny because it's like this big... What happened was I left university, went to London... Didn't know what to do for about six months. And then all of a sudden it kind of clicked like I'm going to work with bands and record labels. And so for five years after that, I probably worked with 400 bands, right? That's so mental, yeah. so my, my brain kind of just mushes it all together because the the designs and the things that were coming my way, they were all alternative based. So they were all just sort of like kind of the same thing. Um, yeah. And it's... Do you know what? It's something I'm going to, I actually want to delve into over the next six months. I've got like masses, massive boxes of t-shirts that I designed and records and CDs. And I'm going to sort of start not archiving them, but um, just sort of going through them and showing people oh, no, the old stuff. Definitely. Yeah. On your website, I looked and I couldn't find anything like the stuff I'm mm. about to talk about. Like, it was all like the Marvel stuff you did, and then yeah. the stuff you did with like Maiden and Metallica, etc. But nothing yeah. like old school, <clears throat> eh? So, yeah, definitely yeah. get that uploaded because it'll click memories in people, and there'll be somebody yeah. out there that's got an old poster or a print yeah. that you've done. And yeah, I actually bought one recently. Uh, one a gal's one. I tagged you, and it was um, the one with the uh, the octopus. Yeah, the yeah, kind of pink one. Yeah, yeah, I loved that one. Uh, been after that for a while. Um, so how did you get? Uh, with with gals sorry how did you end up doing the artwork for orchestra because well, we already had artwork originally when it was in at the deep end yeah well well basically yeah. basically the original release was done by myself and at the time alex curtis was her name at the time now it's alex white um of three designs she Me three Yes, exactly. The oh, sorry. Got, yeah, exa- oh yeah. no, sorry. It was three designs and now it's We Three. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> I bought a print of them a while ago and they, uh, the guy, I think his name was Chris. Chris, yeah. He yeah. messaged, yeah, he messaged me because uh, I bought a gal's print. He was like, if you if you like this, you'll like this. Mm. And he sent me original artwork of the little white wolves from the from the first take, from sort of the first press of the album, like the original... <sighs> Um, like the the lyric sheets and the inlays and all that, he sent me all the original yeah, clippings. Well, because out of that, which is quite cool. That that's his wife, Alex. Who ah right, okay, and right, I, yeah. I I worked on that first record with her. Um, yeah. She did all the White Wolves and layout, 
I did the Black Wolves and a few like instruments and stuff. Yeah. And that was because um, Lags saw my artwork. He came to visit while I was at university and he liked my artwork. And he was like, oh, you should work with Alex on this record. And I was just like, yeah, right. I, like I, I wasn't doing anything at the time. <laughs> you know, I was, yeah. I didn't know what I was doing. So I did some bits with that and she did the layout. I'll be honest. She, she did the, like most of the work on that first, um, that first version. So like, yeah. I, I consider that like she did that. I just did a few illustrations for it. No, f- um, no. You did the second one, no, the, the but, one that's the kind of mostly well-known one. But that's, yes. Yeah, so what happened then is the, they signed to Warner Brothers and, um, we did that repackaged version, which was nuts, and is probably still the biggest project I've worked on. Like in terms, really? of, in, ter- uh, in terms of music stuff, yeah, because it was full packaging for a deluxe version, fold out, yeah. quadruple yeah. CD with DVDs, and <laughs> um, like two singles that were vinyls, and yeah, abandoned ship and belly of a shark. You made those yeah. really long prints, and yeah, one came up on eBay, sold for like three hundred quid. I was like, ah. Oh, I, if I had the money, I would have bought it. Eh? But uh, the belly of a shark, the, the obviously the shark with a ship, and that is like sick. Yeah, man. Um, that 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 was like when I was kind of discovering what my work could be and where I wanted it to go. And um, yeah, and that was yeah, for, like you know, forever thankful to the the band for giving me that chance to do that. Like, and they put their trust in me. Basically, they just sort of said, I, I went to a couple of meetings with Frank with Warner Brothers executives. And I was like, let's see, this would have been 2007. I was not that old. I was like 23 or something. I didn't know what I was doing. And we're in this like meeting room and I'm like, uh, I don't know, like a giant whale or something. And um, <laughs> a shark even, sorry, not a whale. And um, and I just remember Frank just sort of, I, he he was just like, I don't know, man, whatever you want to do, like we're going to back you. And yeah. Gallows had a lot of pull at that time. Like they kind of, they ran, they ran that, um, the ship, yeah. the ship for that record. Like it, it, what we wanted to do, we got to do it. Um, and that was amazing. Cause I, we, you know, we basically put out this record that this amazing sort of package. And um, I remember saying like, cool. So what I want to do is not have the band's name on the front of the record, which you know, no record executive is going to be happy with that. Um, and I was just like, we'll just put a sticker on it, like a transparent sticker. And anything that we said, they were just like, yeah, we can do that. That's cool. So like, nice. it's it basically, it's it's one of the only projects I've had, like kind of complete creative control. Obviously, there were things we had to change, like certain text bits and stuff like that. But in terms of the actual illustration, like if you look at it now as well, like, it's kind of mad. Like it's this really black thing with just these shapes and stuff and yeah it's quite like you know obviously i do things differently now but it um <laughs> i'm just quite i'm always quite amazed we got away, away with it basically like we just did whatever we wanted and it was great yeah so that from was what i kind of heard from was it yeah sorry from what i kind of heard from back in the day they were kind of like the golden boys when it came to that, because of the I mean, <clears> half a million deal to a band that a band like that just doesn't happen, yeah. and it's never happened since, and it probably will never happen again. So, yeah, to have that kind of control was cool. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. Like um, anything went, but it still lives up though. It's st- that record still lives up. So does that work? You know what I mean? I've got, great, I've got man. the the album. It looks even better than twelve inch vinyl. Yeah, yes, um, it does. Yeah, like the um, we we had to do a lot of different formats as well. Like I think that's where 
like it's funny because nowadays like you know i've been doing this for 16 years now so and like i'm very jaded about a lot of things like you know i can't i I really hate dealing with like the corporate side of stuff i'd much rather just create artwork whatever and i remember even at the end of that project like it was probably six months worth of stuff where we were going back and forth and back and forth and oh we've got to do a different version for the japanese market oh here's what we're going to do for the american market it'd just be things (laughs) like changing copyright or just changing the size of something very slightly um yeah and by the end of it i was i was kind of like mentally exhausted um and I was also graduating university at the same time, so it wasn't it wasn't good timing. But it was a uh, it was a project. Where looking I back, learned a lot. Looking, yeah, yeah. Look, looking back as well, it's still like like we said, it lives up. You know, what I mean, yeah, man, yeah. That's that's the thing about a period in time. You look at it and go like what you are feeling, but at the same time, like you've got this and it will never mm. go away. Like mm. that record will always be here with your artwork. So yeah, man, yeah. Um, cool so i'd love to i've got a big list of records here i'm just going to name a couple sure. that i like that and um i love the miss me i apologies are for the week yeah 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 that was another one um apart drive obviously deep blue deep blue that, how did you get how, how did you get that one winston just emailed me <laughs> that was oh, literally nice. it yeah, yeah. Nice. I, as he, easy as that. he emailed me and then i had a phone call with him and uh that was it yeah they they were super easy to work with actually um yeah yeah, love love that record. Again, that was that was a lot of um, a lot of freedom with that one. And this was this was when I was doing full layout for everything. I don't do that anymore because I haven't got the time really um, to do yeah. the full layout for an album. So I, I'll do like the cover or the cover and back cover or something. Um, yeah. But but with yeah with that deep blue album that was I kind of it was a funny one because I I remember like listening to the the first album was that was deep blue their second i think it was uh, yeah, yeah. death wasn't the first one no but I it was the second I, I remember listening to their first album like a few months early being like oh i like this band and then yeah and then getting a, a, an email from them it was like oh cool yeah i'll definitely do that it's it's quite funny how i think for me i got to work with a lot of bands when they were like quite small and so now when people look at a band like parkway drive and they sort of go back through the records and go, oh, Dan Mumford did the second album cover. Like yeah. it's it's quite weird um, because you know obviously the big, the bigger these bands get, like I'm not doing the artwork anymore. Um, but how so- who was to know that? I mean, you listen to Parkway Drive for a metal fan, they're amazing. But if you said to me in 2011, this band are going to be doing a like European uh, arena tour, yeah. You wouldn't fucking believe that. No, you wouldn't. No, man, you know what I mean? No. So, I th- I th- especially almost like Karma. Karma is a banger of a song, but is it an arena song? No, I'd rather hear it in like a 500 capacity venue. You know yeah, I, mean? I, I don't quite, I don't quite get the success. Like, not in a bad way. Like, I just don't. I'm yeah. a bit surprised by it. But I guess in the same way, like Bring Me the Horizon, are huge and Architects as well. Like, I guess it's sort of yeah. there is they're one of those bands that people have really sort of held on to, and I think. Yeah. I think Australia loves them as well, you know? So I think, yeah, yeah. I think there's that. Um, yeah. I mean, good band. Yeah. <laughs> uh, go for kind of one more then. Uh, can I talk about an album? Uh, this will be the one you probably get asked about the most. Um, I did to remember homesick. <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming that, I'm assuming that's one of the big ones. Cause that was yeah. like, 
everybody's favourite 2009 album. Yeah. You know what I mean? I uh, mean especially that, that, the acoustic song at the end. That's that's another... That was everybody's love song. Yeah. I mean, that's another example of a band where I sort of didn't... You know, I knew they were a big band, but I didn't really realise they were going to get that big. And that, again... Uh, yeah, with that record as well. That was the record that, it's, that set them soaring. It seems to... it's It feels like I sort of got to work on quite a few of these albums that were the ones that, you know, made them go quite stratospheric. Um not not because of my artwork, but that happened to be like associated with it. So it I mean that's you know, just, it helped me. It's part of it, it's part of the package. Yeah. But you know I mean so I've seen so many tattoos of all this and this is yeah. this is your artwork. You know what I mean? Somebody else could have done a totally different artwork with yeah. a totally different concept. They didn't, they chose yours, you know what I mean? So I mean do, do you know what the funny thing about that album though is that <laughs> making the artwork, I remember not enjoying it at all. Simply, be- uh-huh. simply because the deadline on it was so tight. It was something like it was. I think it was Christmas, and I think I had like five days to draw all of that, or something like that. Ooh. Or only everything. All I all I did was that artwork. I didn't do the rest because there wasn't time. Right. I, I think I remember speaking to the art director and just being like, "I can do that piece of artwork, but you'll need to." Um get the the sort of the actual packaging stuff sorted because i just i I think physically it wasn't gonna be possible um but like it's one i look back at retrospectively and i'm like yeah of course it's a i, I really like that piece um but it, it's just sort of yeah tinged with these feelings of like exhaustion i think <laughs> yeah yeah no cool it's that was probably one of the the first uh, records along with a uh, orchestra that yeah. yeah, you read it. It's like Dan Mumford, like wow, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, it is a it is a staple for a lot of people. It's like one yeah. of the big records. Yeah, I know. Like, yeah, you know, like a day to remember architects bring me. They're all mm. that kind of early two thousand and ten, yeah. late two thousands. Uh, and and I, it's a massive record. Eh? And I did try to bu- get it on vinyls. A bitch. Try <laughs> get it on vinyls, an absolute bitch. But and I, I did a bunch know. of t shirts for like Bring Me the Horizon and Architects and stuff. Like I did a uh, that that was that was kind of. I think for every record, I probably did like eight t-shirts, you know. Um, so my, nice. my my archive of t-shirt designs is insane. Cause I you would... must have like a warehouse somewhere just filled <laughs> with one of everything. Eh? I've got about eight boxes, like massive crates, really tightly stuffed. And that's not everything because uh, I kind of gave up collecting them in the end. I, I'd always yeah. I'd always be like, can you send me one copy uh, of the mm-hmm. tea? And in the end, it just became like, not feasible to keep on top of. Um, so, yeah, it's quite it's quite funny. I used to really like seeing people, like, be like, oh, look, they're wearing a Dan Mumford, you know, um, going to a gig and seeing how many people have my T-shirts on. Uh, doesn't ha- doesn't happen like as much. HMV. Yeah, yeah of It must course. be weird walking like a HMV and it's like, you see, like, your record, your, well, your yeah. artwork yeah. on a record on a shelf, which would be weird as well, so. Absolutely wild, man. Like, the first, the first few times, like, that totally blew my mind. Um, and now whenever I go into one of the sort of last remaining HMVs or something, uh, I, I still go to the metal section and see if they've got any of my artwork. <laughs> like, I, I have to do it. It's just there's a little bit of me that has to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially the fact that all that and say 10, 15 years won't be a thing anymore. So, yeah. do it well, you can. Exactly. Yeah. It's a shame. That's, that's a shame about the, the whole kind of music scene, obviously. Like, artwork is no longer. Like, to me, when I got a record when I was younger, and I still do this to this day. I'll listen to the record, even if it's on my phone, but I'll have everything laid out in mm. front of me, like the record, the sleeve, 
it all adds to it. It's all one. It's not just the music. It's all. It's everything at once. Yeah, of course. You know what I mean? Uh, but that's just a a dying thing now because Spotify doesn't offer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which is a shame, but that's just the world we live in, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, um, it, it is. Yeah. All that stuff's not important anymore. Um, I think that, but that's why people collect vinyl now, isn't it? It's uh, yeah, you yeah. Know, that that is where weirdly that's where a lot of the focus goes now. No, which is good. Mm. Um, because it wasn't for that, it would just be online sales and streams, which yeah, for for bands isn't good enough to to keep them financially stable. You know what I mean? Yeah. So as mental. Cool. Anyway, so I was just going to go for a couple of prints. So yeah, the Biffy Clyro one you did for Bell Houston, mm. um, and you did the Vertigo Bliss Only Revolutions for the Barrelands show they did yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, how did you get in and to do those two prints? Do you know what? I can't, I can't remember the guy's name now, but it was a an art director working for their label, and he he was doing doing posters, and he just sort of asked if I was interested like in getting involved. I think off the back of me doing various other bits, um, you know, I was sort of starting to get a little bit of a name for myself then, I think. And um, yeah, they're really, really nice, really nice projects to work on. Quite easy. Uh, like, you know, easy going. I mean, um, and I just really, yeah, I, I really love how both those prints came out. And do you know what? I get asked about those ones still quite a bit. Um, yeah, you know, you, people trying to track them down and stuff. I'm still trying to track down the Teen the Park one you did. <laughs> that was my first time seeing them, and it was, yeah. it was a long poster, I believe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so if you if you look in archives and find any spares, uh, I don't know, know if I've it. got one. I don't know if I've got. <laughs> oh, one. really? Is it one yeah. of those ones? Yeah. Like, yeah. The the further back you go, the more chance I don't have it slash it's damaged or something. Like I try, yeah. I try and keep one of everything. Um, yeah. but there's a limit, you know. Yeah. Uh, another couple was the Metallica ones you did. You did one for the Unforgiven, mm. the Black Elm kind of reissue. They did a print for every song. Yeah, that was and great. And then they did a London show as well. For yeah, the yeah. Hardwire tour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, how did you get in touch with them? Well, I'm assuming it was their management and all that stuff. It's just, just their management. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's they're, they're more recent because Metallica sort of didn't do much artwork that wasn't album artwork based if you know what i mean like yeah, for a, yeah, for yeah. a long time the only merch you would get was very much sort of just sort of this is the metallica brand this is what you're gonna get yeah, yeah. Um, and then i guess something changed a few years ago because now they have so many posters so much artwork um and they're getting all these amazing artists involved and it's just fun man like there's there's never too much of a sort of directive of what you've got to do um it's just you know just have fun man do something that suits metallica and you've got so many amazing posters now because of it not not for me from all the artists um and so yeah whenever that comes along that's always fun i think my favorite one's the last one i did which is like this sort of lava landscape with melting skeleton giants in it <laughs> like it's is that the unforgiven one no this was no no this is kind of like that's the thing the unforgiven one has these giants in it and my thought process was let's do one afterwards that's just like giant skeletons so yeah <laughs> <laughs> did you get did you like to prepare for not prepare for making it but you would have known the song before did you like listen to it and let let your mind for the young side what was going to look like was it that kind of thing or was did you get given like uh we want it to look like this kind of thing for that one where it was specifically for the song then yeah i i deciphered the lyrics in my 
own way. Um, yeah. But I then also, because it is, you know, it does have a storyline to it, that song. And I then also went on a few forums, like, to see what people were also interpreting the song as. Um, and do you know what? I can't remember for the life of me now, but basically that was, I think to me, I was like, it, it's sort of like the idea of these, your, your demons coming to get you and you're trying to break through it. Something like that. I can't, I can't fully remember if I'm honest. Um, but you know, I, I remember having a very specific reason for why there was these three giants sort of coming to you and the guy walking forward, I guess it's sort of meant to be someone you can transpose yourself onto, um, bound by chains, you know, and trying to break free, something like that. <laughs> I think, I think that's what I was going for. I can't quite remember. That's the thing with a with a song. Everybody's got their own interpretations of what it means. Yeah, which exactly. is good. Uh, a guy the episode I did before this, um, he's a friend of mine from my town, Dunfermline. He's in a band, and he's got a song that I really, really like. And we're chatting about the lyrics, and he told me the, the the story behind the song and what it was about. And to me, it was like I had my own version of what it was about. So to hear it's. It's quite a beautiful thing that when yeah. things are released, yeah. um, it's no longer your kind of song and everybody else gets to take a kind of share and a part of it is. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, but that's cool. Like where you came from with the uh, Unforgiven is what I would have said as well. <laughs> I just couldn't draw it. <laughs> um, right, okay. I think, yeah, I could go on all day and sit and talk about <laughs> every artwork you did. Um, another thing, yeah, I'll mention is one as well. One of my first ever series I ever got was a Metal Hammer. Mm. A magazine and you did the compilation yeah, artwork for it. You did quite a few of them, I'm sure. Eh? I did like twenty. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that became like what, what, yeah. It, it was like a monthly thing for a while. I did a lot of them. Yeah, um, and the, yeah. it was just sort of like um, it got really funny because it one of them would be like uh, metal two point or something, and then two months later they'd be like, yeah, we're gonna do another one. It's gonna be called metal three Like yeah. you know, so we. Were, it got to the point where we were like doing sequels to these weird, stupid ideas. And it was just like, I don't know, a robot skull or something. Um, yeah. But they were really fun because they, the art director would come up with an idea and just be like, ah, oh, no, just do your thing. Like it wasn't, <laughs> you know, they weren't the most delicate about what we were doing with that. It was very much just like, let's just do something metal. And uh, I mean, it was a free CD, so it's not like, yeah, exactly. Of, like back in no, no, financially no. in a lot of ways. No, yeah. but um, it was. They were really, yeah, they were fun. Metal Hammer were, were good to me, yeah. No, good. Good. Uh, perfect. Is there anything coming up that's worth kind of talking about music-wise? Um, we could always talk about all, all the other art stuff, but it's really music you know, what I was going for here. Are you working with any other bands? or? Um, do you know what? Currently, not much. Uh, I'm sort of on a little bit of a, uh, what you call it, a sabbatical, taking a bit of time off. Um I, I worked so hard for the last five years. I barely stopped that I'm kind of, I'm taking January off to like reset my brain a little bit. Um, nice. And I've got a few jobs lined up, but nothing I can specifically talk about. Uh, no, fair enough, fair enough. But um, I imagine there'll be a few more gig posters this year. There normally is, but they, they sort of, they start to come in over the next few months because that's like a few months before summer. Um so, you know, because like May to September is when the big posters sort of happen. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. But I, I actually think this year is probably going to be a little less output from me because <laughs> I'm just like, 
I'm just trying to mellow out a little bit, you know. <laughs> I mean, last year you, you were, you, you've traveled already to like America this year and all that. Yeah, man. You're yeah. doing workshops, etc. So, like, you're always doing something, which yeah. is cool. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just gonna say, I feel I feel like I've I've sort of I've done quite a lot for the last few years. And I'm like, I now want to do stuff that I really want to do, as opposed to just saying yes to everything. Um, yeah but probably you know if traveling stuff comes up i'll always do that because that's a sort of it's an opportunity to go and do something and see someone meet someone new you know um yeah and that's always always really fun yeah so the next kind of few weeks is just spending time with your dog george <laughs> it is yeah man yeah. he's a cute dog i love when you're posting your story uh, <laughs> he's a cute dog like yeah man he's he's turning two next week so he's uh He's going to get spoiled. Basically, yeah, the next, you know, we, we got married, me and my wife last year. So we're sort of just, right now it's just about trying to just be a bit chill, you know. And then, because yeah. she's so busy all the time with her her company. Um, she's an artist agent. So like we're, we're sort of, the family business is art, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so like she's so busy with that all the time. And uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just hanging out with the dog right now. Yes, yeah, good times. That's the best way to spend a January, mate. Yeah, man. <laughs> I wish I wish I had the exact same experience, but I don't. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, right, we'll call it a night of that. Dan, All thank right, you man. so much. No uh, worries. Really appreciate this. Uh, let's hope that all the technical stuff we talked about before this <laughs> works out well. So, yeah, I think so. Uh, but, yeah, but yeah, thank you very much, mate. Cheers. No worries, man. It's great talking to you. Perfect. You too, man. Thank you. <laughs> Just wait, wait, wait.